This podcast is intended for a mature audience over 19 years of age and is provided on an educational and informational basis. Any material presented is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for professional medical advice or as an endorsement or medical claim by Patterson Media, Everything Podcasts, or any advertiser. Does anybody have any questions in regards to marijuana, weed? How do you market a product that is illegal to advertise? If you read the regulations word for word, then you actually wouldn't be able to do anything. So as marketers and the brands that we work with, we always gauge how much are we willing to play in the gray. If you've been to a pot store lately, you'll have been confronted with a lot of product packaging that looks kind of the same. The federal regulations might as well state that cannabis has to look boring. Branding, advertising, and marketing cannabis is tightly controlled. You can't associate a product to its effects, mood, feeling. You can't imply to evoke a certain lifestyle that can't be tied to anything to do with recreation. You can't have any testimonials. So, with hundreds of licensed cannabis producers in Canada, how does a brand reach the right consumers? On this episode of the Canadian Podcast, we're going to show you how to market the unmarketable with someone who does it for a living. Then, one of the few forms of promotion that is allowed, educational sessions. Eyes up here. We sent our producer to check out this stealthy form of marketing. Marketing Mary Jane, after the pot news with Jay Coburn. Canadian banks are still refusing to do business with cannabis companies and entrepreneurs. That's according to a report in the National Post, where the owner of Toronto chain Mary Janes said he can't even get a mortgage because his income comes from cannabis. Sam Gurgis said no bank would let him open a business account and loans are out of the question. Cannabis companies are often stuck opening accounts with private lenders that charge very high fees, according to the Cannabis Council of Canada. Canada has destroyed over three and a half million pounds of unsold cannabis since 2018. In 2022, that made up 16% of all cannabis produced by licensed producers. The data for 2023 is still currently incomplete. The figures suggest that LPs have produced substantially more cannabis than consumers were willing to purchase. Alberta has said that the province will allow cannabis sales at adult-only events. The updates to the gaming, liquor and cannabis regulation are set to take effect at the end of January. The changes will allow licensed cannabis retailers to set up temporary sales at adults-only events like trade shows and festivals. Edmonton and Calgary already allow smoking or vaping cannabis at outdoor festivals and public events, but only in designated areas and cannabis cannot be sold there. That's your pot news. I'm Jay Coburn. Advertising cannabis is mostly illegal in Canada. But for Kaya Arai, that's still more liberal than her home country. I've always felt quite alone growing up in New Zealand and preferring cannabis, especially over alcohol in social situations. It was quite an isolating experience. And there was a lot of stigma that surrounded cannabis, and I never truly believed that cannabis deserved that reputation. Kaya is a senior account manager at Nine Point Agency. They're a specialist in promoting cannabis brands. Kaya moved to Canada in 2018. And so when there was an opportunity to actually be part of 
helping the plant reach new audiences, consumers, but also change the way it sounds, looks and feels. As a communicator, I just couldn't pass up on the opportunity to be part of that new industry. A new industry indeed, and one that by law has to be promoted behind closed doors. For example, here at the podcast, we can't take money from cannabis producers. It limits what kind of commercials we can run. But it does mean you can trust that if we mention a product, it's only because we want to. But independent producers still need to find ways to tell people about their product. So that's where Kaya comes in. She spoke to our producer, Karen Habashi. The challenge is definitely in how to reach the audience. And so when we are strategizing, we often look at integrated PR campaigns. And when we say integrated, it means it's not just relying on one particular strategy or tactic. We like to mix a bunch of them together because that, from our experience, has been far more effective. For example, if we're launching a new hash, it's a single strain pressed hash, absolutely delicious. How are we going to market this? Or how are we going to launch this product into market? We would firstly start off with a press release. The press release is like the statement of exactly what the product is, how it's made, why it's unique or innovative in its own way. That's part of the planning process, figuring out what the core of the story is. Once we have the core of the story, you have the press release that gets distributed to media, which informs them of all of the factual information related to the product. Once we have the press release and it's distributed, then we find other ways to then engage the audience. So hash, for example, as a concept, is a very ancient form of cannabis, has a lot of history tied to it. But in modern times, people think hash is like this older way to consume cannabis. So how do we then make it relevant for new consumers? that are dabbing and light concentrates and shatter and distillate and all of these other high THC products, but don't know how to consume hash. So we look at how can we educate consumers to learn about hash to then get interested in engaging with the product. Promotions, sponsorships, partnerships, all of these things have restrictions and regulations. There's an aspect of the regulations where informational promotion is actually allowed. So if it's factual information provided to a consumer, that's the wedge of promotions that you're allowed to do that we'd really lean into. So can we host an educational workshop that's age-gated, promoted through platforms that you sign up to? So you're firstly gaining newsletter signups for your brand and then hosting people on an educational workshop on what hash is, the history of hash. How do you consume it? What is the differences in the different types of hash and why is that relevant to your experience? And then inviting media influencers and consumers or the public 19 plus to sign up and experience that. That could be another part of the strategy of your in-market launch. And then you could have other aspects of the workshop that are then tailored into digital content, etc. So an integrated campaign that has many aspects to how you market it and speak to those different audiences is probably one of the most effective ways to communicate to the audience because of all the challenges of what you can't say, what you can't associate it with and who you can't talk to. 
Can you tell us those things that are forbidden? What are things that you can't associate with, which makes marketing it and advertising it harder? Yeah, so you can't do any kind of sponsorship. You look at the US market, you've got Snoop Dogg promoting products, you've got Weed Maps sponsoring boxing matches, all of those things, like tying it to brand partnerships with sports or music. You can't really do any sponsorships. You can't associate a product to its effects, mood, feeling. You can't imply to evoke a certain lifestyle. It can't be tied to anything to do with recreation. You can't have any testimonials. You can't have anyone actually being paid to endorse it. You also actually aren't allowed to talk about the distribution or the price, which is so odd. How are you supposed to market something that you can't talk about where you're going to get it or how much it is? And obviously to young people and in any way that it's appealing to young people. So it has to be 19 plus. And the list actually just goes on, but high level, the limitations are very broad and what you can't say or do or how you show it. So you can't show, say on social media, you can't actually show the consumption of it. You can't show the product alongside a person, an animal, fictional or non-fictional pets, characters. That's so weird, you know, <laughs> like Canada being the first to legalize cannabis, but then they are putting all those hoops and challenges for someone to actually enjoy it or market it. But while in the USA, they have all those celebrities like Seth Rogen, Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, even Whoopi Goldberg just talked about her female cannabis products. And you have like in Las Vegas, you have so many conferences or events happening around cannabis. Mm -hmm. But here in Canada, it's very, very limited. Like even you can't sponsor a music festival, let's say, not even like a cannabis festival. Exactly. I think they're taking a much more conservative approach because they want to protect young people. <gasps> and from that perspective, that's what's influenced these regulations. So hopefully over time, they will loosen and allow us to do more fun things that will essentially shift how the consumer experiences cannabis. But until then, we kind of have to create the experience in other ways that might not necessarily involve cannabis directly, but can somehow allude to it. So we've had experiences that we've created where we've put together a workshop to make apple cider, infusing them with the terpenes that a particular strain has that's launching. So we're sending them a kit, no cannabis in it, just some branding and a workshop to teach media about terpenes and cannabis strains and then creating a drink from it to evoke what a strain might smell like or taste like without actually saying it, but implying it. And that's actually interesting because Pure Sun Farms did a cool, I guess, partnership in a way. I think it was with Four Winds Brewery. They launched it in September, but they collaborated with a brewery to create the hazy IPA that reflected the terpenes or the notes of their well-known pink kush. So they created a beer in partnership called the hazy IPA inspired by pink kush that you could actually buy at liquor stores. So it's an alcohol product that's kind of side by side with cannabis and you're reaching the 19 plus audience, people who want to help themselves relax or have a recreational aspect, but through 
a product that's still familiar to them. Wow, so many hoops you have to <laughs> jump over. I think the other challenge to marketing something is that general education of cannabis on its own or cannabis as a plant and product across media also isn't as well known or well understood. So part of our job is also educating media and journalists on why something is unique and what makes it unique so that they can then digest that and then create the story themselves around it. So we like to create a story and then how do we translate that story into an experience through an event or a workshop or how do we then use education as a way into the promotion of the product or brand. So as someone who's in the cannabis marketing industry, there are always like sort of loopholes that you can find <laughs> to be creative, right? Yeah. And like, if you read the regulations word for word, then you actually wouldn't be able to do anything. So as marketers and the brands that we work with, we always gauge how much are we willing to play in the gray and There is a little bit of risk you have to take, but the consequences, depending on the risk, aren't as high risk as you would expect sometimes. And I mean, as cannabis people, you always have been. We've been consuming it pre-legalization. We're not averse to breaking rules. <laughs> It's not to say break all the rules, but... Have fun. Yeah, have a bit of fun, be creative. If you get a slap on the hand, You learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, continue to see, like, where, where can you push the boundary? That was Kaya Arai, Senior Account Manager at Nine Point Agency. She was speaking to our producer, Karen Habashi. We wanted to see how those workshops Kaya mentioned really work. They sound kind of fun, but is this really educational? Or is it more like an infomercial? We sent our producer, Jay Coburn, along to one to find out. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Simply Bear Organic and Canna Reps Hash 101 workshop. I'm watching a ruddy-faced man with a constant smile that reaches his eyes. He has long hair swept back into a ponytail and a well-kept beard. This is Mickey Hash, the appropriately named director of cannabis for Rubicon Organics. They're the parent company of Simply Bear. Simply Bear is an organic brand grown in a greenhouse in Delta, BC. As guests filter in, I get the sense that Mickey and the other speakers know quite a lot of their guests personally. Hey, Tom, what's up, Tom? Good to see you, brother. All these lovely, lovely people here. Look at this. I can't see the other guests. We're on Zoom. But I'd guess there are probably reps from cannabis retailers in there looking to be introduced to new products. Laura, what up? Well, we're all waiting for everyone to get settled. <coughs> Once everyone is settled, Mickey begins by introducing us to the Simply Bear brand. You know, one of the things that excites me most about our brand is our soil. This is, categorically, definitely not advertising. But you could imagine some of what Mickey says being the narration for a commercial. What the soil does is it really allows the terpenes to jump out and to live, and I take the plant and extract those terpenes, so having the amazing starting product is just unbelievable. I can almost picture the farmer running dirt through their fingers and turning to smile at the camera. We hang dry the full plants for 14 days. We then cure for 14 days. That's the start of the process, and from there it gets handed over to me, and I work my magic. 
After he said his piece, Mickey hands over to two people from CannaReps. They're a company that provides education and training for cannabis sommeliers. This is Adolfo Gonzalez and Julie Domingo. With cannabis being a multi-sensory experience, we also like to teach it in a multi-sensory experiential way. And that really empowers our learners. And you gain the skill of actually knowing how to handle the product and talk about it. Yeah, and I mean, what you're going to experience today is a bit of interactive cannabis education. There's that key word, education. You can feel the watchful eye of the regulator all through this hour-long session. They repeatedly refer to their viewers as students, and even while they're handling the product that paid for this, talking about how great it smells and how well it crumbles, they're keen to emphasize this is educational, even though this is a private event. We're going to talk to the maker of the product, who's here with us today, because that's how CanRep teaches you, that's how we learned. And this session is definitely educational. I'm a journalist, I cover cannabis for this show, I like to think I know my stuff, but I'm actually learning a lot. In fact, when they begin the presentation and zoom right in on a cannabis plant and then some hash, I realise I've never really known what hash actually is. I've just always had this sense that it was made from the stuff that came off the cannabis flower. The powdery substance that collects under your grinder and gets called keef. So, hash essentially is a collection of the trichrome bulbous heads compressed into uh, material that looks like a little block. When you zoom in, those trichomes look like tiny little white blobs on the cannabis flower. You've probably seen them on flowers yourself, when a bud is particularly frosty looking. So Dolphin's going to hold it up against the camera, but I'm going to use my microscope to take a much closer look here. And what I want to look for is when there is a winter wonderland of trichomes, that there's just so many and the trichome heads are large, they're tall, and they're bulbous. Within the first 10 minutes of the presentation, I've learned that keef is the traditional name for trichome heads that have been sifted off of the cannabis flower through a fine mesh. Hash is then made by pressing that keef into blocks. I think we're going to get some history and culture in a bit, but first they're just demystifying the product, showing us that it's easy to use, actually. If you want to eat it, you can eat it. If you want to smoke it, you can smoke it. Lots of people are intimidated by using hash, but actually hash best practices are probably one of the easiest. To prove it, Julie starts rolling a joint. The camera pans down to a paper filled with flour and crumbled hash. And when I say the camera pans down, I don't mean this is a slick operation with a director and camera operators. I mean Adolfo picks up the camera and holds it over the table where Julie is rolling. But I think that works better than something that looks a bit like an infomercial. The session feels informal and intimate, and rolling with hash does seem easy. But they also show us how you can use it in a pipe. Crumble it up, sprinkle it in. And the reason why we mix it is because the cannabis flour helps the hash really smoke through. Finding a hash full joint on its own might not burn very well. Throughout the session, they do keep talking about harmonizing the flour and the hash. So, using flour from the same plant that your hash was produced from, which is pretty convenient for Simply Bear, who sell flour and hash from the same plant. When I compare the flour to the hash, we're talking about, okay, how do we maintain the integrity of what the flour is producing, its trichomes, into a different format, the hash? And we're finding that the potency 
matches the potency of the hash and as well as the terpene profile. I've got to say, I do see the logic though. And around this point, I was seriously considering heading to the nearest cannabis store and trying it out. The marketing that isn't marketing is working on me. Yeah, no, it definitely is transferring the full effect on the palate. I'm really looking forward to smoking this after today's session. The demonstration is educational, but also practical, both for the consumer and for the brand. It gives consumers a way to use Simply Bear's products, so it's working for both of them. Then we move deeper into the educational territory. A map of the world is projected onto the screen showing how cannabis moved around the globe with dates as far back as 2500 BC. From Central Asia, we find the oldest archaeological evidence of hashish smoking, and it's awesome how they used to do it. These hot rocks used to be put in the middle of that brazier, you call it, okay? <laughs> yes, that's how... It's a... That, I know, that's, <laughs> that's how archaeologists call it. We're given a bit of a whistle-stop tour of the history of cannabis and hash through different artifacts presented on screen. Here you have a Scythian bong. It's the oldest bong ever found. It's from about 300 BC. If you've never seen it, hash looks like a crumbling brown rock, varying in color and consistency depending on the way it was pressed. It really looks like something from the ancient world. These people, these Scythian people, which inhabited the central plateau, basically think about Iran, all the way down the Arabian Peninsula, into India, into all the way Eastern Europe, Russia, all of it was their land. The Mongolians, the Chinese, these people and their culture, cannabis culture was really central to the formation of human writing, art, everything. There's something subtle going on here too. This segment is purely educational, but there isn't a lure to the ancient. There's something about using the same product that was used 4,000 years ago that, to me at least, feels good. So, in a way, without being explicit or overstepping the regulations, the team from Canareps are establishing a narrative to go with the product too. Good marketers will tell you that to sell a product, you sell an image and a lifestyle with it. But for weed, that's currently banned by the Cannabis Act. What you can do is educate your students on what makes good hash. So, when you use single cultivar, you get this fantastic opportunity to observe the quality of the trichomes all in one big puddle, all in one big pile. Good hash that Simply Bear happens to make. And what I've seen also is a lot of hash that I would consider like a chocolate bar, like a dark chocolate bar. This is fantastic that you say this because here, you know, we have an example of the keef when it's freshly been shaken and then the keef after it's been pressed. See, this is a block. It's been pressed. Those trichome heads, like you were saying, Julie, it's, you gave it the chance for them to pop, for them to start binding to each other, for them to start breaking down and congealing into something new. Now it's no longer keef, it's been converted to hashish. So it's an oxidization, there's also a transformation of what the, exactly. what the cannabinoids and the terpenes, it's a chemical uh, change. Exactly, it's a breakdown of the terpenes and the cannabinoids and they all mesh together and they become something else, something new. In fact, there are new compounds that we have discovered recently like hashinine that are produced exclusively in, in a situation where all those trichome heads are compressed and allowed to sit for a while. And for sure, we're going to be finding a lot of oxidized forms of terpenes and breakdown form of terpenes, et cetera, et cetera, terpenoids. So what you end up with is a quality that you cannot achieve without applying these traditional methods. And that's exactly what Simply Bear has done. 
After our history lesson, the Canna reps, Adolfo Gonzalez and Julie Domingo, turn back to Mickey Hash and begin interviewing him about his product. And Mickey has been listening. Throughout the session, they've been saying how too much plant matter getting through the sifting process makes for a harsher smoke. One of the things I like is like, let the flowers speak to me and see really where it wants to be extracted. This might be deliberate, or it might just be that Mickey is great at his job. But I feel like he's the modern heir to those ancient keef sifting processes I've been taught about. Through our process, we're actually cleaning it up. We're doing it through a couple different micron screens, and then we're actually cleaning up the final product as well through another process, right? So through this, we're trying to eliminate as much of the plant matter and stuff as we can. When anyone is talking about their own product, you know instinctively that they would probably like you to buy it from them. So it's no surprise that Mickey starts telling us about the different strains available. We have the apple toffee and sour cookies in market in BC. The sour cookies, it's a really earthy hash. You know, it's got a really nice sweet and sour kind of smell and taste. But despite that, there's no call to action. No, buy Simply Bear apple toffee hash now. He mentions keeping prices down, but doesn't articulate the actual price point. It's not advertising, but it's somewhere on the edge of it. This is clever marketing, or should I say, clever education? Hi, everyone. Wow, what education in this room and what a good like segue into how we integrate hash. The last segment before the Q&A comes from cannabis influencers and entrepreneurs, the Stolby sisters, who give us their own review of the product. We tried it at home in more of a kind of relaxed setting at night because of the indica leaning dominant. It was more for me, I'm mostly a sativa consumer. So during the day, I like to get more buzzy with myself. But when I'm chilling at home at night, this was the choice for us. So we started that way and we just did it in our pipe. Yeah, the outcome of it was very relaxed, quite complex. I know the Stolby sisters are probably being paid for this review, but even so, they're there to add credibility. Influencer marketing works for a reason. Even if we know it's paid, we figure that when your credibility and audience are on the line, you're somewhat discerning about whose money you take. At least we hope that's the case. The Stolby sisters, though, also thread in that educational angle. What I like to see in a hash is a fudgy brownie. Mm-hmm. And so with a fudgy brownie, it's like, okay, you can break it off. Did you hear that crunch? That was one of the sisters snapping the hash bar. So, so satisfying. Let's hear that again. You can break it off. With this type of consistency, you're going to get the versatility. So whether you want to roll it into a joint, like a little log, or crumble it into your pipe, or just plop it into your tea. The session ends with a few questions from the audience. At this point, Adolfo, who's still with us, has rolled a joint and has it hanging out of his mouth. And I've got to say, even as a journalist going into this with a critical eye, I'm about ready for one myself. It's a pretty strong testament to the power of this kind of marketing that isn't marketing. And it's a strong testament to just how suggestible we humans are. Thanks, everyone. Peace and pot. And Adolfo can finally light that joint he has in his hands. Thanks to Kaya Arai from Nine Points Agency for inviting me along to the session, and thanks to Simply Bear for permission to use this audio. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Podcast, and thanks to Kaya Arai at Nine Point Agency for sharing her marketing black magic. I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Canadian Podcast. Hit the subscribe or follow button to make sure you do, and while you wait for the next episode, why not go to westernbuzz.ca. 
The Canadian Podcast is an Everything Podcasts production in partnership with Patterson Media. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the podcast team or our partners, and this show is intended for a 19-plus audience. Thanks to creative director Cliff Dumas, showrunner Karen Habashi, senior writer Jay Coburn, and our sound engineer, John Massacar. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Podcast, your authority on cannabis in Canada. I'm Don Schaefer. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com, a division of Patterson Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast.